welcome to the Undercover Angel Podcast. Thanks for listening. Covering episode 15, covering the chapter or vignette, Jared and Jeremiah. Still friends with these people, by the way. And this was one of the worst experiences of my entire life this day. This day on the playground when I met my friends with my new skateboard that I got for my 11th birthday, and we went to the playground, and we were, we were riding around in the blacktop at Lincoln School of Lincoln School where I went to elementary school, and we were doing power slides and just screwing around and having a great time with our new boards. We'd all gotten new boards for our birthdays and real skateboards, so I had a, a Sims Jeff Phillips. It was one of the coolest skateboards ever made. Just Google Sims Sims Jeff Phillips black and you'll see it. And then I had the ugly sticks rails and I was so excited. I had like every accessory you could get on the skateboard. I had the lapper it was called. It was actually called a bird, which is the part that I broke. The bird is also known as a curb popper, which it helps you to it would help you to get up curbs. And it was also shaped like a swear finger. Of course, we as children didn't realize this. I was wondering why my dad had a problem with putting the bird on the board. But anyway, so skateboards were highly accessorized back then. So you had copers. Copers were the things that covered up the trucks. The trucks are what the wheels connect to. And then you had a tail guard, and then you had mini rails, and you had rails, and you had copers. And we're all kind of trying to outdo one another with our skateboards and so we're cruising around. I, I called Jeremiah and I was like, hey, I got, a, I, got a, I got a new Jeff Phillips for my birthday. And he's like, cool, meet us. And so I met them at the school and we were cruising around and I popped up the curb and the thing, the thing snapped and I knew it was broken instinctually and I kind of held it up. And as it says in the book, they started, at first they were kind of laughing, we were all laughing together and then they read my emotions like wolves. They saw how I was being affected by their laughter and they capitalized on it and they essentially tortured me with it. And this is another dosing transaction. I've referred to dosing transaction. Dosing transactions happen inside trauma bonds when a perpetrator perpetrates on a victim. And so this experience where they're pointing and laughing and pointing and laughing and pointing and laughing, point and laugh, point and laugh, point and laugh. Their only strategy, very simply, simple and very effective strategy on their point, part, point and laugh, point and laugh, point and laugh. I, I became enraged and even sharing about it now is, it takes me right back. It's agonizing to even remember. And so this was a deeply traumatic event. And, and I remember like going home and screaming and, and screaming and crying and screaming and crying and punching myself. I would punch myself in the face when I got angry because I didn't know what else to do with it. It's like the Johnny Cash song or the Trent Reznor song, I Hurt Myself Today, to see if I still feel. So physical pain is better than feeling emotional pain. And so I would just punch myself. And, you know, mind you, I have people who I'm living with, my family, and I'm the oldest. And so they are now experiencing traumatic events. They now have their trauma to deal with as the result of seeing me deal with my trauma. Again, if you recall from earlier, this stuff is generational and I'm not looking to throw my family under the bus at all. So I'm going to keep my discussion of the specifics of the family dynamic I grew up inside of to a minimum and keep the story about me. 
but they would have to deal with this, right? And I remember getting home and Jeremiah, he called and he was calling just to, just to be mean, just to taunt me more, just because he got off on seeing me suffer, right? In the same way as like the, you know, the dad got off on watching the squirrel die. Like he was getting off on watching me cry and, and scream and, and be mortified. And, and it was awful. It was freaking awful, you know, and there was this spazzy kid in, in, in my fifth grade class. I won't name his name, but he would throw his spazzes in the classroom. He would like dump his desk over and swear at the teacher. And he was really smart, but he was a total spaz. And everybody would point and laugh and point and laugh and point and laugh. I would do these things at home. I was every bit as crazy, except I kept it bottle. I kept it to my home, except occasionally I would lose it in front of one of my good friends and and then they would do this sort of thing to me. And then they would sort of have this, the fact that they had this knowledge of me, this information about me, they would almost have it as a weapon or, or hold it as a weapon. And so here we go again, right? I've got this, this deeply traumatic experience. The only way I know how to express it is through vicious, horrific, horrible anger and in a sense, you know, essentially violence. I only know how to deal with it violently, but I'm not hurting anyone or anything. It's just myself. And so this outward rage, when it starts to turn inwards, that's what depression is. Depression is anger turned inwards. So that's eventually where this would go. But this was a very, very, it was just a hor- it was one of the most horrible experiences of my entire life. I'll never, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget this day. It was my 11th birthday and my birthday was ruined. And the fact that I broke the part on the skateboard was an indication that I was actually skating the way you should skate. You should break parts. It's like a badge of honor. And that's how I related to it at first. But then they savagely attacked me for it. So hurt people hurt people. So then where do I take all of this pain? Right? Where do I go? I would like beat up my little brother. I was never like vicious to my brother and sister, but you know, I'd beat them up and punch them and hold them down, whatever. But they were smaller than me, and I actually had, I could actually control them. And my my friends by this point, by the time I was eleven, it was starting, it was starting to be clear that I was a small person. It says this in in the next couple of chapters. I became like a, I, I realized that I was truly a small human being, and so. There was this part of me that knew that I couldn't defeat them. A big part of me knew that I could that I could not defeat them. And again, it's as I may have stated before, it's a good thing I wasn't a strong kid because if I'd have been a strong kid, things could have gone very badly. So again, all of this is churning inside inside of me, excuse me. My family is terrorized. I have nowhere to go with this. This is I'm 11 I'm 11 years old at this point. And we, you can see that there's this pattern or this, this series of events that have transpired that have deeply, deeply infected, or in, they did infect me, but have uh, deeply Im- impacted me, deeply affected me. That was the word I was looking for. And nowhere to go with it. So you could see where it's going because you read the beginning of the book, so... Thank God it has a happy ending, but it didn't necessarily, you know, it, there are all kinds of people who go through this type of experience or have these type of experiences and there isn't a happy ending. There are people who kill themselves because of this stuff, because it gets worse 
when they get to junior high or high school. And now you look what, what's going on with the kids now. It's, it's, it's crazy. And there's just this fundamental separation from source that's happening, fundamental separation from God, he, she, it, the universe, that in so many ways is what drives this type of stuff. Because what about my friends was hurting that made them get off on my pain? Because I know them now. They're perfectly nice human beings. They didn't turn out to be sociopaths. They're, they're kind. Their hearts are kind. I know they are. So they were hurting about something. Maybe Jared's dad, who killed the squirrel, was murderous towards Jared or mean or evil towards him, and he had nowhere else to go with it except towards someone who was weaker than he was, that person being me. So... Once in a while, someone wakes up from it all and shares what they've learned. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.